Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, May the 12th in 2021 on When I Rise. We're currently in year B, the seventh Sunday of Easter, the last week in the Easter tide season. And on Thursday, tomorrow, it is a, a unique one day holiday in the life of the church called Ascension of the Lord. And so, what we'll do instead of reading the New Testament text for the week tomorrow, we will read it today. So, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. And then tomorrow we'll do the Ascension Liturgy on that day, all right? So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When Our Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. 1 John chapter 5, verses 9-13 through 13. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made Him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have been given eternal life. This is the word of God for us. I always find it interesting to watch whenever there's a change in leadership, whether it be a change within a company, when there's a new CEO, or maybe just a new manager of a group, where there's a change in a manager of a sports team or the president of a sports franchise or just any like organization out there where there, there was one leader and people rallied around that one leader and they cast vision as a leader. And then when that, there's a change, there certainly is a bit of unease that happens among the group. And it's almost like a gut check time, right? Like, what are we going to do from here? And then, like when it gets clarity, when you get clarity about who's going to replace them and who, what are they like and what are they going to do? And what does that mean for us? Like when all those pieces begin to fall into place, then each individual person within that community, uh, they, they need to make a decision. Am I going to stick with it or am I going to uh, take my talents elsewhere and uh, take another wager elsewhere? Everything's a wager. All of life is a wager. We have to live by faith. Faith itself is a wager. And so whenever a change happens, uh, we make a wager. We have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And so either if we stick with it, if we do, go and do something else, that is a wager in one direction or the other. I think that's what's happening in the background here uh, at the very end of John's first epistle, his first letter. Uh, he's talking about the, his whole testimony and his whole teaching up to this point. Uh, he says, what we have shared is the testimony of God. And therefore, each of us, even you, you have a decision to make. Either you believe what has been said or you don't believe what is said. And to believe or to resist is a wager. And John talks a bit in circles here, but he does so to make his point. Uh, but the What's on the line is whether we believe that uh, what God has done in Jesus Christ is the true way or not. But the testimony of the church has been from the very beginning is that in Jesus alone is eternal life. He has the words alone of eternal life. Peter says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 that there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. So there is a, 
there is an ultimate in this uh, Christian message. Now, when we look at John's letter, he is not someone who is installed as like a great ambassador of a great empire or country. Um, he is not a person with all this power. He doesn't have an army stacked up behind him. And so if you resist his message, you're going to receive you know, the retribution of all of his might. John is a lowly servant. He's been an eyewitness to Jesus, as he's mentioned in the first chapter. Um, he clearly articulates what it means for Jesus to be crucified as God's son and raised. What that means for him, what it means for us, what it means for all of humanity. And so when John gives this appeal, he says, this is the testimony of God. It comes from God, therefore it's true. What he's not saying is, uh, if you don't believe this, uh, you know, you can go your merry way, but, uh, you know, some of my friends are going to come visit you <laughs> no, with the, all their might. No, John is from a humble position. He's saying, I hope that you've been listening thus far. And this is my message. And I want you to believe it because you'll find Jesus in the midst of this testimony. I think this posture is important for us to model in the days ahead. We live in a culture where there are many different options out there. Uh, pluralism is cherished in the Western world. And so for one community of faith to demand that others believe what uh, we believe is something that is just not very charitable and it's not really native to the gospel message itself. Jesus and his followers were a small minority of people. They were humble. They had no political clout or power, but yet they moved out into the world with all the guts and the grace that God gave them from community to community in the Roman world. And things began to change and lives began to line up behind Jesus, not because there would be massive consequences if they didn't do so at that moment, but they heard something in the testimony and they knew it was true. And there's something irresistible about the message of Jesus. So this is a couple different layers of ramifications for us. Number one, we believe in Jesus because we have found something irresistible in his message. Uh, there is nothing forcing us to be a follower of Jesus. We heard the message. We heard the story. We saw what God was doing in the lives of others. We studied it for ourselves. We asked our questions. We got answers. They may not have completely answered all of our questions, but it was enough for us, and we were willing to wake, make our wager, right? And so now we continue to live by faith because of that decision. I think the next layer of the ramification of this is um, how we interact with the watching world around us. When we enact Christian faith in communities all around us, we are asking people to consider. Uh, Paul says this, this way, that we have the aroma of Christ, and we hope that that aroma of Christ would awaken others to understand the beauty of the Lord that which we have seen. And so we live uh, not to force people into the faith, but to see if they would like to join us in our way of life, that they would want to stack their life beyond the same claims that we have stacked our life behind. Because at the end of the day, the Christ, this is what Lynn Sweet says, Christian, uh, sorry, truth in the Christian framework is not propositions, it's not statements, but it's a person, it's Jesus. So as you and I pray this morning, we make an examination. Have we have we leveraged our whole the wager of our whole lives behind Jesus and his gospel? Maybe a second thing to consider is how might we help others make the same wager that we have? That they would leverage all of who they are behind the gospel. What's the best way to do that in the world around us? Plenty to pray about here, so let's spend our time praying this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we confess today that the testimony of God that John speaks of in our text 
is something that we've considered true as well. Something reached out to us, something awakened faith inside of us many years ago or many months ago. And we have tried to follow Jesus with the best of who we are. We've sought to daily leverage all of who we are behind the gospel of Jesus. So we thank you for your rescue plan, which included us. And so we know that we stand in the midst of amazing grace today. And we also look at the watching world around us. And we know that this testimony of God continues to billow out into different lives and different communities. We think that uh, there are communities around us who have known this testimony for some time. There are churches, there's ministry. It's being enacted day by day. And so we get to see the message of God enacted in the world around us. God, we also know there's places in this world where the gospel is still pretty new in its arrival. And there's only a few people there who have received it and who are trying their best to live it out, uh, even though they may be threatened, even though there might be just a few of them. And so God, we just pray that this testimony would billow out further, that it would resonate with more and more people, and that lives would find it, uh, more and more lives would find it wise to stack up all of who they are and to leverage their whole life behind this claim. And God, we pray that the beauty of the Lord would lead forward and that people wouldn't be um, given over to faith under compulsion, uh, because we know that won't establish true faith. But we do pray that love and grace would abound as people are sifting through what it means to be truly human and what it means to seek God. We pray that they might find Jesus. We do confess today that there is no other name under heaven given to us by which we must be saved. And so we pray that the multitudes of people today would come running to the name of Jesus and find shelter there and find salvation there and forgiveness and hope. And we pray that we might see it with our own eyes as we long for it with the faith that you've given us. So God, be with us today. Help us to be servants of Jesus so that people can see you alive among us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.